Hello, fellow travelers and lovers of travel. This is Mike Siegel, host of the Travel Tales podcast. I want to thank you all for listening to this episode with my guest, Mary Ann Bean. First, let me get the particulars out of the way. Go to our website at TravelTalesPodcast.com. There you can see stories that I've written, stories that some of the guests have written. You can see destinations. You can see photos. You can see videos. And more importantly, you can see links to all our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and of course, iTunes. Click on that, go to our iTunes, subscribe, and while you're on iTunes, why not give us a good rating, huh? Give us a nice rating, it boosts our presence on there, helps people find the show, and that's always a good thing. Now for the announcement. I hinted at this last episode, but now I have a few more details, and I can talk about it, because it's going to happen, folks. I am finally on my way to Kilimanjaro. Yes, I pulled the trigger. I'm going. And uh, I've been talking about this for years. If you're a regular listener, you know I've been saying how badly I've wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Well, this is a new year. And I decided to put up or shut up. And I am leaving for the last few weeks of February. I am taking off to Tanzania. Well, actually, I'm landing in Kenya. And I am doing a two-week tour with Intrepid Travel, who I've used before, a good company based out of Australia. I've used them before in Peru, in India, in Thailand. So I have some experience with them. And it's also the company that Lauren Mark did her Kilimanjaro climb with. So I have a little faith in them. I have, a, I have a lot of faith in them, I shouldn't say. I have a little faith in them. Um, I'm putting a lot of faith in their hands because I'm doing a one-week camping trip in Kenya and Tanzania. We're doing the Serengeti and then going to the Ngorongoro Crater, which I've been talking about forever that I've been wanting to see. And it's a week of that. And it's just camping, folks, uh, sleeping in tents and everything else. Not really my style. I was never a big camper. I did it for a few days this summer at the Grand Canyon. A few days seemed enough for me. This is going to be six, seven days camping. So this is a little out of my comfort zone. But hey, I don't travel to stay in my comfort zone. And then uh, we end after the Serengeti and Ngorogoro Crater. I go to Kilimanjaro, where I am going to take the Morongo route with the huts, not tents, huts, and go up the mountain. That's about a five, six-day climb up the mountain. And I've been starting my training, running, stairs, hiking, got new boots, got a lot of equipment to buy. And after that, hopefully we'll go well. You never know how to train for these kind of things. You can do all the exercise you can, but the big factor always is the altitude And the temperature, when you get up there, it's going to be really cold up there. So it's bringing the right equipment, lots of which I have to acquire in the next couple weeks. Um, And just being in the best shape I can be. I I don't know how the altitude is going to affect me. All you can do is go slow and try to acclimatize as much as you can. But when I get off that mountain, I'm going to fly to Zanzibar for a few days of beach and R&R and basically doing nothing. Hopefully, maybe doing a scuba dive, too. I heard the diving's good. They got some good reefs there. So after a few days of beach R&R, I'm going to fly home. And all of this was made possible by frequent flyer miles. And I know I've talked about this in the past, but it's a really important thing. I'm a big fan of these programs. All in all, it's going to cost me about 100,000 miles. I'm doing 40,000 miles one way. This is with the United. Uh, 40,000 miles on the way there, 60,000 on the way back, but I'm going business class on the way back. And my flight back alone, it's about four flights, and it's a lot of flying, I'm not going to lie. But that flight alone, if I had priced it out on the site, would have cost over about $8,000. That's just one way coming back. And going there would have been at least about three or $4,000. So that's over ten grand i have saved on airfare. And all in all, by collecting these miles with credit card deals and everything else, all in all, in taxes and fees, it's going to cost me about $75. And if it wasn't for frequent flyer miles, there's really no way I could afford this whole trip. And I'm doing a pretty low budget as it is, but miles were everything. And if I couldn't make the flights happen, I wouldn't be going. So chalk one up again for frequent flyer miles and points. Collect those, folks. 
They come in very, very handy. So send me an email if you've ever been to any of these places and you got any advice, uh, especially Zanzibar. I'm flying in kind of blind there. I've got, I got the flight in, but I don't have a hotel booked just yet. So if you have any experience there, write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com and let me know if you've been to Tanzania, Kenya, any advice. If you've climbed Kilimanjaro, let me know what I'm in for. I'm excited. I'm nervous. A little scared, but I think it's going to be a life-changing trip, and I hope, hope it is. And believe you me, I will tell you all about it, and I'm going to record while I'm there, and I'm going to take lots of photos, some video. It's going to be great. So that's coming up in February. Look forward to that. Now, let's get to my guest, Marianne Bean, who is the editor-in-chief of the website Jet Set Extra. She's awesome. She's a lot of fun. Hope you enjoy. Travel safe, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm here with Marianne Bean from Jet Set Extra. Hello. Did you found the company? Is that are you the founder or were you not? Okay. Not. What, uh, does, what is your title there? Jet Set Extra. Uh, boss. Uh, boss. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good title in any profession, I think. Um, editor in chief. I don't really have a title that I can fit myself into one category. I kind of do everything. <laughs> so I do marketing and PR, and I do business development and I do editor-in-chief. So I guess I wear all all the hats. So for people who don't know, Jet Set Extra is a travel site. Mm-hmm. And what is your take on travel as opposed to any of the other travel sites? Our take is we are destination-focused. We don't have a thing that we write about. We don't rate things. We don't... Um, it's all first-hand experience. So we have writers around the world who write for us. And they write stories as if they're talking to their best friend, telling them about the vacation that they took. You know, mm-hmm. so I went to Africa and I got to do this really cool thing and you should see my pictures, you know, that kind of thing. And then we also have writers who write about the cities they live in and the cool restaurants they eat at. So it gives some perspective of what to do if you go to that destination. Uh, now, how long have you been involved in it? Since 2011. Was that the start of it? Was that from the beginning or did you just show up and say, I, I'm starting to run things now? Yeah, I walked in. And I walked I'm in. running. The There's show. a new sheriff in town. <laughs> Look out! Ching ching. <laughs> um, no, actually, it starts with kind of a funny story. My husband met a woman in Las Vegas. Oh boy! <laughs> and uh, here we go. It was, you know, the beginning of a beautiful thing, and <laughs> um, they talked. She wanted to do a TV show based on travel, women's travel. Oh, this was a different woman. Mm-hmm. I thought you were describing no, you in a third person. It was okay. really another woman. When you say okay, and uh, you know, TV shows were kind of it was kind of the writer strike had happened, and LA was on hiatus for a while for shows. And he said, "Let's do something on the internet." So they started a website, and it happened to be Jet Set Extra, and it was taking a direction um, that I think just so many people felt excluded from, and. You know, one thing led to another. Business wasn't happening the way the two of them thought it should happen together. So I got handed it and said, hey, (laughs) you look like you need something to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have two kids. It's not like you didn't have anything to do. Well, and I had a job at the time. Okay, well, there you go. So I quit my job and said, okay, I'll help you. And I walked in and kind of started hand in hand with my husband and our then business partner and working together. And then, you know, things just kind of changed. And now I'm running the show a little bit more and um, have developed a lot of the content and path in which we're going. Now, how big of a staff do you have? Do you have people that you send around the world or do you take stories from people that are writing on their own? Or, I mean, it's kind of a freelance. All of our writers are freelance except for myself and our managing editor. Um, we have writers around the world who contact us all the time and say, hey, my friend writes for you, or I've seen your website, and I really like it. Can we write for you? And then they send us samples, et cetera, and we start things from there. But, um, you know, it's just launched into a thing where we have now a staff of like six in our office, and we've all become this really dysfunction junction family (laughs) and things uh just evolve and have turned into like really progressive and very fun okay now your history of travel personally 
you came in here today. It was so funny. You had just come back from Chicago. There was a big travel show there going on, right? Mm -hmm. But you had taken a train across Canada. Yes. In the polar vortex, I think they're calling it now. (laughs) Let's say timing may not be your best. It is not my best best attribute. attribute. (laughs) Wow. I, Even on paper, that looks horrible. Am, You're going to Chicago in, the, in January, across Canada in late December. God, it sounded so dreamy when we were planning <laughs> it. I am a California girl, born mm-hmm. and raised my whole life. Let me tell life. you how the Midwest works. Uh, <laughs> really cold in the winter. Really cold. No, um, I oh, kind of know that now. So, who, so tell me about the train trip, because I think my parents did this. So did this start in Vancouver and go all the way yeah, across? Yeah, it's a cross-country trip. Um, it's a train company called Via Rail. And we started in Vancouver. We spent two fantastic days in Vancouver with the kids. Great city. Played at the Four Seasons. It was Mm -hmm. fantastic. And then we got on the train on Christmas Eve. And it was all dreamy and fabulous, you know. And we were going to the Canadian Rockies for Christmas. Had the kids seen snow? I mean, these are California kids. Yeah, I mean, they'd seen snow. They've gone skiing and stuff. They'd seen California snow. (laughs) Okay. Let's be clear. There's a super difference. Uh Uh-huh. Um, that you could drive to it for two days and then come back to your nice Yeah, weather. in like six hours you can be home in, yeah. like, in your shorts. And then, uh, so my little one was so excited because she sees like little patches of snow in Vancouver and she's jumping and everything and she's having a great time. And, you know, she's just wanting so bad that white Christmas. And then we get to the Canadian Rockies on Christmas Day and it's all beautiful and white and the lake is frozen. And the first thing I... Everyone has to understand, I am a mom from California. I don't understand frozen water you can walk on. <laughs> so, it's supposed to be some kind of voodoo thing, some kind of magic. It freaked me the hell out. So here are my kids, and they like beeline for the middle of this freaking lake that's like a mile wide. <laughs> and I'm pulling my hair out going, wait, there's cracks in the ice. <laughs> and my husband looks at me and says, you need to chill out. (laughs) I don't understand this. And they want to ice skate. And, you know, it was beautiful. They had a whole giant ice rink carved out on the, on the lake. And it was great. And we did an ice hike through a Canyon called Moline Canyon. And they put these spiky things on the bottoms of your shoes. You can walk on ice and you don't slip and fall on your rear end. And, um, the kids dug that because they could walk through on a frozen river and see all the cool ice formations and stuff. Those and are crampons, right? Is that, no, those are, they those are, are not... spikes. There's oh, a those difference. Are, oh, okay. Because crampons are made for climbing the ice wall, right? Crampons, I think, have those giant, like, I can cut a man with yeah, those. Yeah, you poke them into the wall. And, yeah, yeah, these are just little tiny round spikes, like oh, okay. soccer cleats yeah, almost, yeah, yeah, okay. on, your, on the bottom of your shoes. And um, you can just walk on the ice, and it's awesome. So... You're traveling across. How many days is this train trip? If you didn't stop and get off the train like we did, it's four days. Four days. Okay. Yeah. Now, did the kids get stir crazy on the on the train? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she nods her head. Yeah. That would be my biggest because they're what fourteen and nine. Yeah. Okay. But they did cool sh- cool stuff on the train, um, mostly for the adults. They did a scavenger hunt for the kids, which was really fun to keep them entertained. But they did a beer tasting and a wine tasting. And, you know, as we're going through different parts of Canada, they kind of tie those activities into the destination we're going through. So that was really fun and cool. And then um, we spent Christmas Eve, or Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve on the train as well as we pulled into Toronto. So that was really fun. Now, is there Wi-Fi access nowadays on the on the train? There is depending on where you are because you kind of go through some middle of the no middle of nowhere places you know Mm -hmm. and you are out there and you get to see but you see the beautiful countryside and i'd really like to do the trip in the summer yes (laughs) you get to see winnipeg in december that was my did you go to winnipeg we went through winnipeg it was a major stop so that sort of the crew changes and heard the worst thing about worst things about winnipeg (laughs) that because i used to write sports in chicago and guys used to cover hockey and they just had every nightmare story about getting stuck in Winnipeg and there was nothing to do. And it was just this barren outpost and like polar Oh, I'm so ice, glad I didn't have know. to get off the train. I mean, think about it. It's north of Duluth. It's like north of Minnesota. I'm physically biting my it's lip crazy. as you're telling me It's crazy. <laughs> and I mean, but you were there. I mean, this is like record setting winter. I mean, this was crazy. It was minus 50 in some places. Minus 50. Like so even like Canadians skin. were like, hey, this is odd this is crazy even cold. canadians right what the yeah. fuck is what, why are you here 
I met some very lovely people from Winnipeg, though, I have to say, who were getting off the train on that stop. And they were they really said, why are you doing this trip? <laughs> and I laughed because I had that white Christmas dream in my head, you yeah. know, and the kids, oh, you got it. Oh, I got it. At one point, I am not if you haven't figured this out yet, a giant fan of the cold weather. Mm, really? So my kids, the week before the trip, I said, are you excited? We're going to spend a white Christmas in the mountains. And they, honest to God, said this to me. Yeah, but why are you going? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So you made it through on this thing. What did it end? Toronto? Did it it end? ended in Toronto, the okay. actual via rail cross-country trip. And then we took a half day train to montreal oh montreal's great i love that city yeah, yeah. and we ate a ton of poutine and walked around <laughs> oh, the city God. in the snow the best froze. thing for you mm. Eat. oh yeah you gotta do it though mm-hmm. you know <laughs> god they say it right poutine 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 i can't say it with french, french fries with gravy and cheese curds and oh, stuff we had one called the elvis oh no. and it was onions and bacon and <laughs> Gravy and cheese and French fries. It was death. Recommended by cardiologists everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. So, yeah, this has got everywhere. You grew up in San Diego. Mm -hmm. So every place, their weather must suck to you. I mean, you've been ruined. You've just been... I talked about this with, uh, you know, Ashley Colburn. Yeah. Yes. She grew up in San Diego as well. And it just like... I talked to Californians about, you know, you got to visit Chicago, where I'm from, one of the best cities in the world. Just go at the right time of the year. Just go in the summer. Isn't it really hot and sticky? Oh, Jesus. It's so Stay in a, Live in a mall. My God. Yes, Listen. it's called weather. The world has it. You never had it, but the world has that it. That is not true. Oh, we please. have weather. You have the greatest weather in the world. That was my point. We have weather. It's just fan-fucking-tastic. And never changes. It's Yes. But if you're going to have to leave at some point, if you'd like to travel, which you do. Uh-huh. So that's part of the And what then you I have get to, to come back to the best weather in the world. <laughs> okay. So tell me your um, growing up in San Diego, tell me your did your family travel a lot? Did you? No. No. Okay. Mm-mm. I had a very sheltered travel life until um, actually I started working for Jetset Extra. Really? To be honest for you. Yeah. Um, I lived at the summers with my grandparents as a kid, and we would always do road trips. But our road trips consisted of Mexico and Las Vegas. Wow. So, <laughs> so I could... A lot of different terrain there. Uh-huh. Okay. So I, I mean, like one summer we drove to Mexico City in my grandfather's Lincoln Continental. Wow. Not even kidding. It was intense. But it's got to be... See, I don't know. I've never done the driving through Mexico, and I've heard horror stories. Yeah. So when you were growing up, and what's the difference between it now and then? There's roads with okay. asphalt. <laughs> <laughs> he was four-wheeling it in the Lincoln Continental? Seriously, when I was a kid, we'd go to Cabo in the Lincoln Continental <laughs> on dirt roads. There were no, like, real roads. There was a highway-ish, but, you know, there was no real road. And well, now they have paved roads. Right, but everybody talks about the cops there, and then you pull you over, and you got to bribe them and stuff. Who's going to pull over two old Italian women, a man and a woman, and a little kid? <laughs> In a big Lincoln Continental? Big Lincoln. That's a bribe waiting to happen. I'd pull him over in a second. What are you going to do? Hey, hombre, give me your Lincoln. <laughs> but, you know, do you think a lot of the talk about Mexico is, is overhyped? Yes. And, and, okay. I have been to Mexico in the last couple of years probably 10 times. Never had an issue. I think if you're looking for trouble, you'll find trouble. I think if you are a novice traveler who doesn't understand how to pay attention to their surroundings, you'll find trouble. But if you um, are just a guy and a girl and or a couple of chicks or friends or whatever out for a good time vacation and you just want to have fun, you'll have fun and you'll be safe. Yeah. Don't do stupid stuff. What was Mexico City like as a kid? I've never been. I've only been in the airport. Honestly, I just remember the fountain in the city. That's all I remember. The fountain? Yeah, there's a big fountain. Oh, so you were little. In the cities. Yeah, I was like eight. Okay. You know. But um, Las Vegas, I can tell you all about Las Vegas. Well, that's interesting because, like, I remember going there for the first time. I mean, I was a kid. Mm-hmm. We were, did the Griswold vacation driving across mm. from Chicago to California. And we did stop in Vegas, but it was the late 70s. Yeah. So, I mean, it was nothing there. I mean, I remember we stayed not at Circus Circus, but, like, at the Travel Lodge next door to Circus Circus. Um, but, that's, uh, but there was nothing for kids to do there. I mean, it, they just basically locked us in a room and then went and gambled. Yeah. And then, you know. 
My grandparents used to do shifts. <laughs> Seriously, they would do shifts. And I remember my grandfather would go for like four hours and gamble. And then he'd come to the room and sleep and hang out with me. And then my grandma would go play bingo and Keno. That was her big game. She'd sit and play Keno. And uh, then during the day, we'd walk around the strip and eat buffets. And I'd get to pull a slot machine or two. Yeah. Those were the days you could get away with it. And, uh, and it was so much smaller back then. It was totally small, it, but it was fun. Vegas was fun. I don't know. It's probably leading you to still my like it? gambling addiction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm uh, not a fan, but... You know, uh, I do like Las Vegas. And my best friend growing up, she and I are still really close. And we used to do a week in Vegas together. I'm not even kidding. In week? July. We would go in July when it's as hot as You're sin. Out of your mind. And we'd lay by the pool and we'd drink beer all day and sleep and get sunburned and then go back to the room about five, clean up, go have a nice dinner, and then gamble all night. See, that's fine for two days. Five days, seven days, that's nuts. Because I used to work there in, in clubs for an entire week, and by the fifth day, I wanted to blow my brains out. <laughs> that's because you were working. <laughs> well, no, I was working an hour a night, you know, and it was nothing. But still, that was... You were like a vampire at by the end of the week, you know, you're Kinda. going to bed at like, you know, later each night and you're sleeping through the day and there's just, oh yeah. And then I learned how to get off the strip, mm. you know, the, like I found cool hikes around the city and, and, you know, you got to have your car. Vegas to... has some cool stuff if you leave the strip. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. They have helicopter tours and all kinds of cool desert stuff you can yeah. go do. But I really like just staying in the casino. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Okay, well, now let's transfer that to now you're doing Jet Set Extra, uh-huh. and now you're starting to, okay, now I can go around the world. What are some of the trips you've taken for work? Oh, God. Um, let's see. The very first really big, cool trip that was like a dream come true for me was Kenya. Okay. It was like a since the day I was born, I've been wanting to go to Africa. Me too. And um, I got a call from a PR person that said, hey, we're planning this trip. Do you want to go cover it for Jet Set Extra? Duh. So, of course, we got our bags. And we went. And I, every single day I woke up, I had to remind myself that's where I was. <laughs> it was. And to be present and to not forget a single moment because it was really a dream for me. How long were you there? 12 days. 12 days? Mm-hmm. All in Kenya, or did you move around? Did you go to Tanzania? No, it was all in Kenya. We were, um, we did a luxury, we, we roughed it. We did luxury camping. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. We did luxury camping. We did, there was a... Uh, they called it glamping. Glamping, yes. yes. We glamped like <laughs> And um, we stayed at another did another safari with another company and then we did this really great one that i loved it was called richard's camp and that was actually the glamping one um it was gorgeous it was really just out in the middle of the masai mara and you're in tents and in the middle of the night you kind of wake up and you hear little footprints uh, people padding around outside and they're hyenas and hippos and you don't really believe that that's what it is but that's really what it is until <laughs> you have you hear them eventually you go, oh for real, you know, and they have Maasai men outside to scare away the animals out of your camp because oh, they boy. will come into your tents if they're not there. I have heard one thing about like the Maasai Mara, at least a lot of these villages that they kind of put on a show for the tourists and it, I don't know, that, that it doesn't seem really authentic, but, and then you have to give them money. I don't know. Did you, yeah. Did we, it seem kind of staged? I did in the that whole... a bit. Um, and I felt the same thing. I went there in the morning. I there, It was half of an authentic experience. Right. And the other half kind of was like, oh, okay, now I have to go. <laughs> um, I rolled my eyes and was like, okay, I'm done. And they try to sell you whatever thing they're <laughs> yeah. selling. But the the beginning of that experience is really cool because you get there at sunrise. And it's really, you're in their little village that they've built and I was invited to, into some of the huts that the women built. You know, did you, did you know that the Maasai women, if they divorce their husband, they get the house because they're the ones that built it? Oh, really? Yep. As opposed to here where they get the house and they didn't even build it. That's right. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, at least make them build it. Jeez. <laughs> no, so, they don't even have to build it. Oh boy. oh boy! I know. So we went and we did that experience, and it was really cool because you get to see a side of life that you don't know exists unless you're there. What was different about 
Africa when you first went than was different in what you thought it would be? Like, what did something really surprise you about it? No. And that's the funny thing. I come home and people are like, oh, it was Africa like. And I, the only answer I can say is if you close your eyes and imagine Africa, that's what it's like. <laughs> Seriously. Be, well, if you close my eyes and you use my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's very, it's like the movie out of Africa. And we watched the movie. I made everyone we were traveling with watch that movie while we were there because mm-hmm, <laughs> I'm a big cheesy jerk. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was for me, it was that just that dream of seeing how seeing Africa and seeing how it is and seeing the animals and we went to a game reserve called Barana that was unreal for us you know it's 80,000 acres of untamed life and animals crossing and being safe and not being poached and mm-hmm. it was unbelievable it was really beautiful wow okay so you did that one mm-hmm. and what were some of your other trips to did you do a lot of Europe um, I've done some Europe, not a lot of Europe. I'm trying to kind of, I want to see other parts of the world before I see all of Europe because yeah. I feel like Europe's so done, you know, <laughs> there's so much out there about Europe. Um, Thailand was a great one for us. My husband's been twice. I've been once. Oh, I love Thailand. Yeah. He went to the North up in Chiang Mai. Oh, that's great. And really dug it. I think the funniest phone call I got from that trip was all they're feeding us is Thai food. <laughs> oh, it's my dream. <laughs> I started laughing. I said, honey. It's because you're in Thailand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> These people eat Thai food every, every day. For every meal. What the hell? <laughs> no, he was just, I think, because he was a little food phobic. Oh, it he It freaked is? him out a little. Yeah. He's... But the food's so great there. He grew up in San Diego. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'm kidding. You couldn't get it there? <laughs> Probably not when we were kids. Oh. Um, but, you know, he, uh, he was very simple when it comes to food. He just likes, Ugh. you know. But he's grown. He's oh, expanded good. You gotta his train horizons. Him. Yeah. And, Off uh, the meat and potatoes uh, yes, train. for real. You've met him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, well, he was eating Mexican food. Exactly. Well, See? that's well, San that's Diego. There point. you go. That's, that's his wheelhouse, really. So, so what, you went. Where did you go to the south? I went to the south. So okay. we landed in Bangkok and stayed there for a night. Um, and then immediately got on a plane, went to Phuket yeah. and checked that out, which was beautiful. The Man. town of Phuket, I didn't like. I was only there for like a day or so. But... It really wasn't my favorite spot. Yeah. Um, I, I like Koh Samui a little bit. We didn't go there. We went to um, Khao Lak. Oh, okay. Which is what a little it? province just outside of Phuket. Okay. And it really just felt sweet to me. The people were sweet. You know, there's this aroma in the air that is just <laughs> floral and beautiful, and it's very peaceful and calming. And um, there was the... It was Buddha's birthday when we were there. I can't remember. I can't pronounce the holiday, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to try. Isn't every day Buddha's birthday? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it was June 4th, which happens to be my dad's birthday, but oh, yeah? that concerns me. Seriously, <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know Buddha had a birthday. June 4th. Okay. Yeah, you go on Buddha overload there because every town has a big giant Buddha statue and... They all yes. say, you got to see our Buddhas. Like, you know, I've been here a month. <laughs> I've seen see a lot Buddha. of Buddhas. <laughs> a lot of Buddhas. Check out my Buddha. Um, <laughs> Sweet Buddha. <laughs> so we were there for that celebration. It was a big full moon thing, and it was fun. And, you know, we got to see some cool stuff. Went to a couple of um, temple ceremonies, and mm-hmm. that was neat. Kalak is great. It's very small. And then we did the River Kwai thing, rode the train. What else did we do? You love these Hellfire. trains. Hellfire. I do like trains. I don't know why. It must be something I'm not aware of. Um, have you been to Hellfire Pass? Did you go no. there when you were in no. Thailand? Where Where in Thailand is that? Um, it's just outside of um, Kaolak. And, no, Kanchanaburi. And that's south? Yes. Okay. And it is this... It's the train... <laughs> Back to the theme. Um, it's the train track that was built by the prisoners of war okay and they had to hand chisel it through the mountain and it's this treacherous awful very sad story but it's intense when you go and they take you along the train tracks and you walk through the pass and you can see tools that got stuck in the side of the mountain where the men were digging by hand with chisels and hammers and they tell you the history of it and it's pretty intense wow Mm -hmm. wow so you were only in thailand once yeah. Okay. I would go back in a flash. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Any chance. But So I'm getting 
from your Vegas story, <laughs> you like a more leisurely kind of. Are you like a sports person? Are your activities? Do you? Yeah. Do you like dive or snorkel and do? I all don't that stuff? dive because it freaks me out too much. I've tried it. I uh, are you claustrophobic? No, I just don't like not being in control. Uh, okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I know your type. Who said that? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it freaks me out too much. Snorkeling, I can snorkel all day long. I have a really funny Hawaii snorkeling story for another time. No, uh, uh, <laughs> how about now? We uh, kind of deal in nice stories, so let's do this. So, we're so you're in, snorkeling in Hawaii. My husband and I did a very last like impromptu Hawaii trip. Our kids were gone. Let's take a vacation together. So we hop on a plane the same day we decided to go, go to Hawaii, and we sign up for one of those all-day snorkeling out on the catamaran things. Well, they didn't supply water. All they supplied was beer. No one thought to bring water on the boat. So oh, really? We drank this is beer. a responsible company. Yeah, it was great. So we drank beer all day long out in the sun. We snorkeled. So now we're saturated in salt water. We've drunk nothing but beer. I have massive heat stroke. Right. You're I'm, dehydrated. Totally. So we meet this couple on the boat, and he is... So sunburned, he's purple. Oh, my God. But he's so drunk, he doesn't care. You know? <laughs> I'm, Typical Irishman, yeah. sure. And we're laughing and having a good time, and they, we, the boat docks in Lahaina, and he says, let's go to dinner. I know this great steakhouse. They serve the old 96er, remember, from Uncle Buck, the oh, movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing on that plate but fat and gristle. Yeah, exactly. that's right. Finish it. So he's all excited to show us this steak, and he orders it rare and blah, blah. Okay, so I don't realize... Where is this guy from? I gotta know. Like, Iowa or something. Yeah, okay. okay yeah, sure. okay. Makes sense, right? Yeah, it's starting to make Sorry, a lot of sense. Sorry, Iowans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, we get in the restaurant, and the restaurant's air-conditioned, so immediately you start to feel the heat from having heat stroke. Your oh, body's God. freaking out. My body was freaking out, and I still couldn't get off the boat. So we're sitting at dinner, and I'm feeling totally nauseated and oh. awful, and I get up, and I go to the bathroom, and I'm splashing myself with cold water, trying to cool off, and I'm sweating, and I'm wiping my forehead, and I get to dinner, and I'm spinning, and I, I, he gets his steak, and it's the most raw rare I've ever seen in my oh. life, and he cuts this giant piece of steak, and it's on his fork, and he shoves it in his mouth. I immediately stood up. I looked at my husband. I said, we're leaving, and I looked at the man, and I said, very nice to meet you, but I can't do this. <laughs> I walked out of the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Our food showed up after we left. I don't know what happened, but it was awful. <laughs> he had to eat two old 96ers. It was disgusting. Wow. I just couldn't handle it. And my, I didn't want to throw up on the table, so I had to oh. vacate premises. Ooh. I know. Did you end up throwing up that night? Probably. Oh, no. That's really dangerous. You got to be really careful. I thought I was going to die. I really felt awful. <laughs> but I couldn't tell if it was watching him eat that steak or if it was actually the heat stroke. It was both. It was a combination of both. <laughs> Did uh, you ever had food poisoning or anything in the other countries or ever um, eaten something overseas and maybe God, go, that was a boy. great question. So I am <laughs> contemplating writing a story called Afflictions Abroad. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Things it follows me everywhere. I oh. have something that happens you everywhere. Have a sensitive I go. stomach or something. No, it's not the stomach. It's everything else. It's bad luck. So we're in Africa on okay. this trip and my husband walks out of the bathroom with an eye the size of a golf ball. Does my eye look okay to you? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, if we're in a sci-fi movie, yeah. sure. No. So we call the doctor. He gets some drops, whatever. He's got this big eye infection. I don't know what the hell. And then we're in Thailand, in Bangkok, and we had just finished shooting a medical tourism piece. We're at the hospital, and we're having lunch, and my eye starts to feel a little funky. And I look at my husband very quietly, and I go, does my eye feel okay? And he's you're fine. Uh, but I can feel my eye. Who feels their eyelid rubbing on their eye, right? Ooh. So I can feel my eyelid rubbing on my eye. And I go to the bathroom and I look and I freak out because it's swollen. The white of my eye is swollen and full of liquid. And I'm mad. I'm like, that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I go back. Oh, to you're the okay, table. honey. You're fine. And I look at my friend on the other side. and I go, does my eye look okay? And she immediately goes, no. <laughs> rushes me to the, to the hospital across the street. I had some allergic reaction to something I had touched. And then I rubbed my eye. Oh. Then I'm in Dominican Republic with my same friend that told me to go to the hospital for my eye. And we're going through this like um, chocolate cacao plantation and a spider or ants or something crawled up my pant legs and bit my legs so 
I'm fighting it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm fine. It'll be fine. That night at like midnight, I pull the covers off my legs and I go, do my legs look okay? <laughs> She's like, oh my God. They were swollen from my thigh down to my ankle. Oh my God. Bright red as your shirt right now. Oh. Total, like rising up my waist, allergic reaction. Rush me to the doctor and we're sitting at the doctor and his nurse is treating me. He's sitting at his desk. My girlfriend's sitting at his desk with him and he hits on her in the middle of my mm-hmm. treatment. I'm dying on the table of whatever. <laughs> hey, and he looks at me and goes, so. he's like, hey, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> he sat up on the table. So, um, excuse me. I'm the patient and I'm dying. I get all the attention yes. right now. <laughs> you hit on me, not her. <laughs> Ignore my so, grossly swollen legs. So that happened in Dominican. Then in Canada, my youngest daughter had an allergic reaction, broke out in hives. I don't what the hell. So I need to write an article about how to <laughs> how to have a medical emergency on the road <laughs> in, in any country. Was your daughter okay? Yeah, she uh, was fine. I had bought her some Benadryl, and she was cool. But well, how long did, did they? Was there a certain kind of spider that bit you? In the Dominican, and that that we should know about. <laughs> like, I have no look idea. Out for, oh, it was an ant, or I don't know it? what it was. Oh, I'm God. assuming it was either ants or spiders, because we were standing under the trees oh. and in the leaves, and I'm sure I was probably standing on an ant hill or a spider right. nest or yeah. <laughs> something. So you were doing a thing about medical tourism mm-hmm. in in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a weird phenomenon? It's un- and just really tells a lot about our uh, healthcare system. Yes, it is an intense and unreal to learn the things that you learn. That is cheaper than to fly to Thailand, get your surgery, and have a private room and private nurses and all this other stuff. And a vacation after. Yeah, than to have it at your own house. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And, just, and they're all U.S. board certified doctors. Oh, yeah. Like 20, 30 years ago, they would have stayed here yep. to, uh, to practice. But now they, they realize, oh, wait, I can just go there mm-hmm. and not pay the crazy insurance and all the other things. Mm-hmm. What, what was your opinion coming away from that? That I would do it in a flash. You would. Mm-hmm. But for certain kinds of surgeries, not all of them? Or like well, you some know, routine, think... like a knee replacement or something like that. But see, I don't think people think the way you and I think. I think they think medical tourism means I'm going to go to Thailand and get new boobs. And a plastic, and plastic yeah, surgery. Yeah. That's they're what they heart, associate it with. You know, bypasses over they're there. doing major heart surgery, cancer research, knee replacements, hip replacements. I would do all that. Yeah? Yeah. Like, so give me, a, give me a cost of a typical... It's a third of what you'd pay in the U.S. So right. if you come here and if you do your surgery here, it's going to cost you $250,000. It's a third of that. What, and I'm not a math genius, so don't ask me to do the math. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah wow that's incredible uh-huh. it's insane man oh man so and you could do a vacation on top of it right right and and, and it's like the better like hands-on treatment uh-huh. you're gonna get you get a private room and yep. all this other and stuff. and there are tour companies that are dedicated to medical tourism oh yeah yeah so you could it's big call, money yeah you could call that tour company and they set up picking you up at the airport they take you to your doctor's appointment for your pre-op Take you to the hospital, get you checked in, make sure your family's taken care of, set them up with activities in the city. It's insane. If this is in this was in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's uh, big in India as well. Yeah, That's I don't so know weird. that I'd go to India to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't been to India, but I hear things. <laughs> yeah. that concern me. My so. friend who was living around the world, his dentist was in Bangkok. That's yeah. where he would go, and he was from here, but he would get all his stuff done in in Bangkok. He's like, oh, I got my dentist over there and everything else. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're Bangkok dentist. That's Is that what you're calling her? Yeah, right. Um, so what are, you, what are your other dream destinations that you've never been you want to go to? I really want to go to Croatia this year. Okay. I was just there this summer. Yeah? Yeah, it's my second time there. How'd you like it? It was great. Yeah. You would love it. What do you suggest? You should see our friend Ashley Colburn there. She I, hooked me up there, and she was uh, there when I was there. Okay. So she, I, I know a great uh, winemaker there you need to, to go to. Okay. Uh, he was a guest on Travel Tales, folks. <laughs> Bruno Trepan in Istria, which is a the cool little peninsula yeah. up there. And it's a great wine and food region. So you would love that. Very cool. And uh, yeah, the south, he got hit Dubrovnik and split in the coast and all that. And then Zagreb, the capital, and Plitvici State Park. Okay. It's, uh, it's gorgeous. All that stuff. It's, Sold. It's great. Sold. Yeah. Sold. Right, I'm going. You so. would, yeah. It, it's uh, but it's very hot right now. It's very trendy. 
to yeah, go. Yeah, it seems to be the spot to go this year. A lot of Europeans going there. A lot of uh, there's a lot of Germans and Germans go everywhere. Though. Germans Come are on. everywhere. You can, <laughs> I would say about Germans, you could be in the most remote like forest in in some crazy part of the world, and you think nobody else has been here but us. We found the most remote, pl- and then like a German couple come walking out, and you're like, you kidding me? <laughs> Really? <laughs> they really are. They travel everywhere. Oh, uh, with their eight weeks paid vacation, yeah. the bastards. Sons of bitches. Oh, Germans. <laughs> um, so Croatia, where else do you, you want to go? Where else? I want to go to Australia this year. We're working on a trip to Australia this year. Okay. So I have way less traveled than everyone else I know in the travel industry. <laughs> I am a late bloomer, so. Well, you know. you're also raising a family. You can't just take off and blah, whim. Blah, blah, Raising a family. <laughs> <laughs> They'll take care of themselves. Those kids, the dogs will take care of them. Put a won't pizza they? in the fridge, kids. <laughs> You're 14. Shut put up. Put a pizza in the fridge. The oven, yeah. I mean, that's what. Yeah. Why would you put a pizza in the fridge? Um, <laughs> well, but I mean, so. so you started starting a travel site. There's so many of them out there. Mm-hmm. What's the hardest part about starting a site or a blog or anything like that? Finding an audience. Yeah, I think that's the true of anything on the internet. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's still the wild west. I feel like there is so much that is relative to what people think or want to do or you know you can make it whatever you want it to be and um just finding what people are interested in is really hard because we're not mind readers so you got to try and try and try again you know so i think that's the hardest thing is constantly reinventing something that's not working and finding the secret sauce how do you convince say a tour company in kenya that they should bring you out there as opposed to all the million other ones. Well, I have a dirty secret. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are. We also own a TV production company here because okay. we live in LA, right? Uh, everyone yep. owns one. Um, so I have the benefit of taking video cameras everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I travel. He's been shooting TV for a bazillion years. And, and I as well. Yeah, exactly. So the benefit for whoever we work with is that we shoot video. And we bring that to our audience. It's not just editorial with links in it and, you know, still photography, which is great. And I still think is an essential part of anything. But if you can add that extra element of viral video, people dig it. And now, do you find that there is a time limit on every video? I mean, you have to... I'm finding, like, is two minutes about the limit people will watch? Or is that too long? Even. I think two minutes is your maximum. Two and a half minutes is max. Right. Because it depends on what the story is, though. I think if you get something that's engaging or endearing and people... I mean, I watch stuff on Facebook every single day because I'm a freak <laughs> about social media. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, if it's something that really provokes me and gets me riled up or gets me emotional in some way, I will watch it. doesn't matter if it's five minutes or ten minutes. Right. Is there so. is there a part of the world that you have like just no desire to go to, like uh, like you just look at it and go, boy, I don't have any interest in. Even when people will talk about it, you can go, boy, that doesn't sound like for me. No, that's good. <laughs> I really thought about that. Did you see me thinking? Yeah. Um, no, I think you know I have all these friends who are like, oh, bucket list, bucket list. Uh, why the hell are you making a list? Um, would you say no to something? No. You know, I, I know people that would say no to something, and that's awesome because they are very clear about what they want to do in life. But um, I don't know that I would necessarily say no to something. A bucket you know? list is a, is a tough thing because it's it's ever-changing. And then also, I think a, a, a downside of it, it's good to have goals and want to see mm-hmm. stuff. But again, I think a downside of it is you have just, you you hit these points and then, yeah. but you never really, you only skim the surface of them. You and know. I think hey, you're prioritizing. Hey, I check it off, and, and uh, but you never really, yeah. yeah, you saw it, you went there, but you, did you really experience it? And I, I think don't... you're prioritizing Yeah. one over the other. What makes one place more important than another? That's true. You know, meh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 I'm over it. No bucket list for me. Bucket list, bucket list. Um, no, I just, I think everywhere in the world is interesting. I don't have a desire to not travel somewhere. Well, how has travel changed you as a person and how you look at the world? That's a hard question. I don't know that it's necessarily changed me as a person. Um, I think I've always been a very open-minded person. I think it's just enhanced that. I think it gives me a better perspective on how to just deal with people in general. You know, if you're... if (laughs) I sometimes 
have the foot in the mouth syndrome where I say things that are probably not politically correct or appropriate or um, make people happy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I have learned by dealing with other cultures to sometimes think before I speak or bite my tongue so that I'm not offending someone on accident. Can you think of one time when you really offended someone overseas? No. <laughs> 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 or you just don't want to admit it. No, I probably have and not known it. Well, as a woman, you have to be careful, extra careful no. too, because well, you know, I'm teasing. Well, yeah, only in terms of well, not only in terms of safety and stuff like that, but I mean, there's a lot of cultures that don't really, you know, appreciate a woman who's outspoken or an American right. women tend, you know, can be more bold when they're here and they're and they've grown up that way. I went to Turkey alone. Oh, okay. And I went to the south. I spent a day and a half in Istanbul. So I didn't like do the city. Okay. I went to the southeast of Turkey, which is an area We're, called Mardin. Okay. I went to Cappadocia and Istanbul. Yeah. I yeah. No, I didn't go there. But it's a Muslim country, <laughs> but it's you know, it's it's one of the more modern Muslim it countries. Is, it's but not it like isn't. going to Saudi Arabia. It is, but it isn't because it's such a diverse country. There are so many different huge, cultures yeah. there. It's crazy. So I went to Mardin and my husband was very concerned because here I am, this big mouthed woman traveling <laughs> in a country that doesn't like big mouthed women very much. And he said, I will be ready to come rescue you when you start a women's revolution. Oh. <laughs> do not take a bikini. Do not, right. You know, <laughs> and, uh, I found that area of Turkey very endearing. Mm-hmm. I really loved it. And the people that I was meeting were genuinely interested in me as a person, not because I was a woman traveling, not because I was a journalist, but they wanted to have tea with me and meet me and talk with me and ask me questions about the U.S. And, you know, it was cool. What area is that? Is that like on the sea? Is it like a resort area? It's right over the Mesopotamian Plains. Okay. So you're up in the mountain oh, wow. kind of. And... um it's a very ancient area of Turkey, as I think, I guess most of the country is. But I think the thing that I loved the most was the people who lived, you, you get to see all these ancient ruins, they're everywhere you go. And there are people that actually still live in them, in these little towns, but they're direct descendants of the people who built the city. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? And it's insane. And you're just, wow. And it, you know, here we are in the U.S. going, oh, we're 300 years old. You know, oh, no, yeah. It's like, no. Well, to them, it's like a big deal if you marry someone, like, two towns over. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, yeah. marrying outside the, you know, <laughs> you really went crazy. You're a wild man. <laughs> a yeah. mixed marriage. Yeah, exactly. I got married in Turkey. <laughs> did you really? Oh, honey, are you listening? Oh, wait um, a minute. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we did this faux ceremony. Huh? Turkish ceremony and this French journalist that was traveling with it's the always the Frenchman, isn't it? Sure. Uh, and uh, well, I was why, the wife. Why should we not get married here? Exactly. Oh, Marianne. <laughs> Amour. Amour. Uh, yeah. So we did this little Je Turkish <laughs> Turkish wedding ceremony. It was really fun. <laughs> Good tea at that. Good I'm tea sure. and lots of gold jewelry. Oh, ladies, yeah, if you get married, get married in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> You get lots of gold, let me tell you. And and it, the tradition is, so the man offers the woman like a reverse dowry. Here's a piece of jewelry, marry me, you okay. know, during the ceremony. And the rule is, the first time she says, it's not enough. So then he has to give her another piece of jewelry. Wow. And the second time she says, that's not enough. <laughs> and then he has to give her another piece of jewelry, to which she says, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She says yes, and then they begin the whole ceremony, the reception. And then they go to Kenya, and she gets the whole house. That's right. Eddie. <laughs> Eddie. 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 I want half. Half. Eddie. Eddie. Uh, good call. Good pull there. They That's, like that? Yeah, old school Eddie Murphy. I like, um, <laughs> so Turkey, um, other, you've ever had any kind of like... Uh, Scary incidences, whether it's police, border, security, any bags lost, bad flights? No. You're always on the train, so. I'm always on the train. <laughs> I've never had that sort of an experience. I've never okay. felt. You've been stranded in an airport or anything like that? Yes, I've been stranded in an airport, but I don't know that I necessarily call that like a scary or bad no, experience. No, it's just a hassle it's just more than anything. annoying. Um, I, it took me 28 hours to get home from the Dominican Republic to L.A. 
Wow. Which is like and that's a, not far. No. <laughs> it's like an hour flight to Miami. What happened? Was it a hurricane? Um, our flight got canceled because of mechanical issues. Okay. So, okay. You know, if you're spiritual, you go, thank God, you know, whatever. And um, so we got stuck in the Dominican and they said, you have two choices. You can either spend the night in the Dominican and leave in the morning. We'll try, try to get you on a flight. Or you can fly to Miami and stay the night in the airport, and we'll get you on your connecting flight the next morning. So my friend and I looked at each other. We said, fine, we'll go to Miami. So we get on the plane. We didn't realize when we landed in Miami that they, they gave us a hotel, you know, whatever. But we didn't realize that by the time we landed in Miami, everything was closed in the airport. Right. There's nowhere to sit because they were doing construction. Okay, now before you finish, I've been stuck in that Miami airport on layovers that, you know, getting in at 2 in the morning and my, you don't leave till 6 in the morning. That's what And happened. again, nothing open. And were you freezing in there? Yes. It's freezing in there, isn't it? I, I I've never it. been colder than in the Miami airport. <laughs> I had to brush my teeth over a trash can because the bathrooms weren't open. <laughs> I used a bottle of water from from uh, the the subway the twenty four hour subway sandwich shop. Oh yeah, and my toothbrush over a trash can because they closed the bathrooms. The bathrooms were closed because they were cleaning or maintenancing oh. or whatever. So we got stuck in Miami and we couldn't go to our hotel because we realized by the time we got to our hotel, showered, checked it. You have to turn around. We'd and have leave to turn back. around and come back and check in for our flight. So we got really got screwed. Oh, it was awful. That is bad. But American I always tell people Airlines. if you're going if you're going to <laughs> we're not naming names, but it was an American airline. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always tell people if you get have a layover in Miami, you're going through Miami. Don't dress like you're going to the beach. Like I got, I had to go through there once, like on that big layover that I was saying. It was December and they had a cold snap, and it was so it was like 40s outside yeah. at, at that night, and none of these buildings are insulated or anything like that, and they have no heat in them, Mm-mm. and. Even when it's hot outside, the air conditioner is cranked yeah. in there. And so I was freezing. I was wearing everything I brought. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. We were standing outside in the humidity and the heat to just Yes, defrost. warm up. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. Dominican. So, I've never been to the Dominican. Love the Dominican. Yeah? It was great. It felt like princesses in the Dominican. Why? <laughs> um, All the gold and jewelry? And... No, it could have been the horse-drawn carriage ride we took. Oh, God. <laughs> you travel much different than I do. Horse-drawn carriage. <laughs> well, you know, we were in we were in Santa Domingo, and um, the we were leaving the hotel, and it always kind of catches me when somebody goes, "What is that? A six thousand dollar camera you got in your hand?" Oh, <laughs> so we thought maybe we shouldn't walk around by ourselves. Yeah, you know, and so we the next best option was let's get on a, a carriage ride and tour the city that way. That way... Well, there's a middle ground there between walking <laughs> and a carriage ride. You couldn't hire a taxi or a driver well, or a guide. Well, taxi can't or... see anything, and it's really expensive. The carriage ride is a one single flat rate, and it takes you around the whole city. So this is a horse? It's a, it's a really sad-looking horse. Yeah. This little old man like who told Park us... carriage type thing? <laughs> yeah, oh, and boy. told us his name was Leonardo DiCaprio. And, <laughs> <laughs> and this really cute little carriage you get in it and you ride around clickety clack you know the horses mm-hmm. and you ride around the town and he points out things to you and you can get out and take pictures and then you get back in your carriage and you go on your way so it was really fun we <laughs> kind of waved at people <laughs> was this you and your husband or your friend my friend okay yeah my husband wouldn't do that <laughs> <laughs> so when i think of dominican though i think like beaches and baseball stuff like players. that yeah baseball um, players mostly but <laughs> Um, the beaches are awesome. That's what I figured. It's like, yeah. were you at one of the big resorts or did you get... We um, actually went on a tour with a tour company called Techia Experiences and they are all about the local culture. Like eco-tourism. Eco... Kind of stuff. Well, I think sustainable is their yeah, term. Okay. They're sustainable tourism. And um, so they were they were teaching us about how chocolate is grown and made and how they're one of the largest distributors of cacao for like Nestle and all these giant okay. companies. And who knew that it came from the Dominican? Well, I figured I think of coffee when I think of that. Exactly. So chocolate. It's been good, right? Yeah. Coffee? Oh man. Thank God for coffee. Um, <laughs> we did a bar hop restaurant hop thing where we went restaurant to restaurant in Santo Domingo in old town, Santo Domingo and ended up at like three o'clock in the morning at this, cafe where they serve this fish stew have you oh you haven't been so no, i haven't been I think you need to go oh, oh definitely. you're drunk off your ass you've been drinking <laughs> and eating all night and then the tradition is at three o'clock in the morning after the bars close you go 
to this cafe and you have the fish stew, which is supposed to be like a hangover cure. Sure. Every culture has one. It's like faux soup in yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, exactly. You know, menudo. Yeah. yeah. That whole thing. So we're eating this, and I couldn't eat any more food or drink any more booze because I was cross-eyed. And But it was a fun place to visit. We had a great time. The beaches are outstanding. We did one big major resort, which I wouldn't recommend. Not that I wouldn't recommend the resort. I just would recommend stay somewhere local. Mm-hmm. Do something that's in within the culture because the people there are fantastic. They are fun and they want to party and they are excited that you're there and you know so it's a good time. Are you? Uh, did you snorkel when you were down there? Because I heard the beaches are. Awesome. Did I snorkel? I wouldn't because I'm a diver, so I'd, I'd like to go there too for that. I don't think I snorkeled. I swam, but I don't think I snorkeled. Did you I go to a baseball remember. game? <laughs> no <laughs> I wanted to go Because I went to Cuba And that's the one thing I didn't get to do When mm, I was there I want to go to Cuba Yeah I kind of I snuck in I hope the government's not listening <laughs> I went through um, Cancun How do you sneak in from Cancun? Uh, you buy a ticket with all cash um, I just walked to the Cubana Airlines desk And uh, What about passport control? You buy this They I mean People, I'm Americans interviewing you now. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> they, you have to buy this little, what they call a, tour, a trans, transit visa or tourist visa, which is basically an extra page. It was like 25 bucks. You can get it in the airport in right. Cancun. And uh, you, you put it in your passport, and they stamp that. Because mm-hmm. they know not to stamp an American passport. So they stamp this piece of paper. Right. And you go there. But, you know, you're... Your bank card doesn't work. Your credit cards don't work and stuff. So, so everything's cash. Yeah, you got to bring cash. You just got to be prepared. That, mm-hmm. But it was fascinating. You know, I did like three nights in, in Havana. But Is it I, beautiful? Yeah, again, I was just in the city. So, But I would love to have gone out in the country. Yeah. I, heard it, I heard it is. But, it, I mean, it's poor. I think we should go. It is really poor. Oh, I'll go. I'll, I'll go, go back. Okay. You, why don't you send me an assignment? <laughs> right now, let me call my editor. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You're in charge. Your editor. Leah. <laughs> I, you know, you, you gave me your title as boss. So I it's, am it boss. says right there on your card. I'm boss. telling her to send you oh, an assignment. Oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Um, have you, I mean, when, when Jet Set Extra looks to go to a place, what do you. When you tell your writers, okay, this is the kind of take we want, mm-hmm. uh, what do you tell them? I mean, what's your, what's the Jet Set Extra take on these Their places? Exper- they need to have, oh, I hate this word, you need to have an authentic experience. Um, I really want them to be on a vacation, to be on a trip and experience it firsthand, what it's like to go to that destination as a traveler, quote unquote tourist, whatever you want to call yourself, um, and just be real about it. I don't write, we don't publish things that are ugly or nasty or negative. So Mm -hmm. if you don't like it, you don't write about it. But I want to know, did you like it? What was appealing about the destination? What did you, where did you eat, sleep and play? Tell me about it. You know, we're not necessarily pitching or promoting a specific tour company or a hotel or whatever, Mm -hmm. unless I'm being paid by them. And then it says, you know, sponsorship. That's the hard thing. You know, Mm -hmm. when when you're, it's a press trip, you're not really getting the full Tourist right. experience. But a lot of our writers don't do press trips. They actually are taking their own trips. Okay. So they're paying for everything. I don't send them on assignment. They'll call me and say, hey, I just did this great trip. Do you want me to write an article about it? They'll say, sure. I'm okay. not going to say no. You know, so a lot of our stuff is unsolicited. So it's real experience by our writers. That's what makes it. I guess that's what makes it really different is we're not sending people every day on assignment. People are doing their own trips and they're taking their own vacations and they're excited to write about it. Well, that's kind of cool. It's super cool. <laughs> and you sit in San Diego and you're on your throne, on your big boss throne, that's and go, right. yes, no. Evil overlord. <laughs> no. Um, when you meet people who don't travel much and maybe they're afraid or whatever, I mean, is there a thing you tell them to like? My in laws? Yeah. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> to get them out more. I mean, they must think you're crazy. Why would you go to someplace like we that? We actually were asked when we went to Africa, why are you going to Africa? Aren't you afraid? Oh, yeah. why? I get it, it all the time. And my response is, why wouldn't I go? That's always my response because it's crazy to me to not go. Um, but a good example of that is my in-laws. They didn't start traveling the world until a year and a half ago. 
and they went to Europe for the very first time, and they're in their mid-60s, you know, and they went on a cruise, because it's easy. Of course. But my mother-in-law called me, and they were going to England, and she was concerned about communicating. (laughs) (laughs) I said... Do they have phones there? (laughs) Well, she said... I said, well, Susie, first thing you have to remember is they speak English. No, and I wasn't trying to be condescending. I was trying to yeah, be real. Yeah, not with much her. of a culture shock. You know, but she'd never been anywhere, so it was kind of freaky to her. I understand the the nervousness. I mean, yeah. never there is that comfort zone, and you worry about. Yeah. Well, and how did they react? How did it go over? She fell in love with travel. Yeah, it she all it takes is that one love. sometimes. You know, and they went to Europe, and they saw Rome, and they went to you know all via cruise ship, right. but they, so they saw did Paris, Rome and and England, and Paris, and all the you know big ones. And they really fell in love with it. So now this year they're going to Australia and New Zealand. That's and there's, we were just I was just going to say, that's another good step because it's mm-hmm. not that big of a culture shock. Mm-hmm. And but it is a much longer it's flight. It's a far flight, yeah. Yeah, so they get to experience the flight. My father-in-law, my mother-in-law's like, I want to fly first class. And I was like pro yeah. first class for her. Of course. You need Except to s- it's $20,000. It is not that much. It's not cheap. Though. But they, I... Yeah, give me some of your miles. That's what you get. Yeah, right. But I think this is our philosophy, my husband and I. Our philosophy is if you take a vacation, it needs to start well and it needs to end well. Because those are the things you're going to remember the most. Is if you have a crappy, uncomfortable, horrible flight home, it's going to ruin your vacation. See, I'm the... Yeah. I'm almost the opposite in the way in that as long as it's... I know, I get there. Yes, it's really... When people say, oh my God, the flight's so long. Yeah, but once you're there, you're there. And as bad as it... Unless your luggage doesn't make it or something like that. or I kind of wipe it out of my brain. But don't you travel... We, you and I travel differently than most tourists. No, or, we, yeah, we do. Because we have a different perspective. We're going for a different reason, I think. I think so, too. We're not on vacation. <laughs> we are, but we aren't. Oh, everyone thinks all. we are. Let's do it this way. Everyone thinks we're on yeah. vacation. <laughs> <laughs> we're not really we work hard people <laughs> right right but especially in the flights home because yeah. i'm going to africa soon and, and when it's when i come back i think my travel time it's listed as like 42 hours or something oh with God. layovers and everything else but once i'm here all i gotta do is set foot in my house and then it all that flight part kind of wipes away so you're saying it's like childbirth it, it must be yeah <laughs> <laughs> or else you'd never have another a second kid, right? <laughs> I'm going to take your word on that one. Uh, okay, so what's what's next for you? I mean, and, and where do you see the the site going? What's the what's your plan? And um, what's next for Jet Set Extra? Well, this year we are partnered with the Travel and Adventure Show here in the U.S. Um, we are one of their major media sponsors, and we are representing representing oh, at every in show the hizzy. at the hizzy. So that's what we were doing in Chicago. We were at the Travel and Adventure Show, and we'll be doing um, Northern California, Los Angeles, and San Diego, and Washington, D.C. all this whole year, or uh, until March, until the show ends. Um, and we're super stoked about it, because I think it's going to give us a lot of visual. People will actually hear the name, see the brand, understand what we are. We're not a blog. We're actually a publication or an online publication and we have amazing content we have incredible writers we have some really outstanding people who write for us and i just i'm gonna cry (laughs) (laughs) if it weren't for them we wouldn't be as awesome as we are you know and and i have to give props to our writers because they're the superstars now if people are submitting their stuff after a while do you do you give them a little something do you Pay them at all? Pay or? them off? What are you saying? I don't know. I mean, is it? <laughs> we are is this non- a job for them? I mean, do they? Are this they, is, is not a, a job. Do they get for a them. fee or anything? No, it's not a job for them. They um, do a bit for out of uh, because they want to. They really enjoy writing for our platform. We we aesthetically are beautiful, um, as far as the site is concerned, and we have rock and social media, so we promote the heck out of them. You know, they get a great platform, so they get mad PR out of us, and they dig it. Uh, we don't pay our writers which I get the snarly look from a lot of people, but I don't solicit writers. Mm -hmm. So that's the flip to it is if I were out there soliciting writers saying, come write for me, then it would be a different story. And I, I would understand the snarly look, but when people come to me and the first thing I say to them is, Hey, just so you know, we don't pay our writers and they go, we don't care. We want to write for you anyway. Then that's a good thing. But isn't this kind of like a blending of, of what happens with media Today, in terms of TV and internet and everything, it's all kind of blending into one thing. That eventually there'll be a Jet Set Extra channel. That's the dream, baby. Yeah, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, would love that. 
Yeah, me too. Because it's uh, it's such a gray area now. Mm-hmm. It is a gray area, and like I said, it's the Wild West. You know, it could be anything you want it to be. It's really relative to whatever your imagination can hold. And so, yeah, we are a TV production company too. So, for all intents and purposes, next year there could be a Jets and Extra Travel TV <sighs> show, kids. Hmm. Mm. Boy, if I knew any TV hosts who uh, <laughs> love to travel, I'll have to find one for you. Mm-hmm. Looking at one right now. Mm-hmm. So. I wonder if he's ever hosted anything or done any kind of. <laughs> as he stares at his poster on the wall. Uh, <laughs> What's that painting of you over your fireplace? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> Me with a microphone. <laughs> so when you say you're a sponsor of these travel shows, do you give speeches? What you we don't. We have a booth okay, um, where people can visit and learn more about Jet Set Extra. Booth 617 in Santa Clara. Uh, <laughs> and um, they come by and we talk to them about the website. And we also sell travel. We just partnered with Liberty Travel um, this last year. It's kind of a work in progress still. But basically, people can come to our site. They read about a destination they're interested in or they ca- something catches their eye. And they are able to book a trip to that destination via our website. So inspiration to reality. Okay. And give us the full website uh, address and how can people find it? And it's jetsetextra.com. It's that simple, jetsetextra.com. Okay. And on Twitter? Twitter is jetsetextra, Facebook, jetsetextra travel, Instagram, jetsetextra, Pinterest, jetsetextra. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) All bases covered. I told you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. This was fun. Mary Ann Bean, everyone. Have a good day. Bye bye.